Welcome to the Sailing Into Oblivion podcast, where we hear stories from everyday people who do extraordinary things. I'm your host, Jerome Rand. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the show. Today, I got to sit down with Sven, the older brother, once again. And this one actually ran pretty long, so I'm breaking this up into two parts but I'm going to publish them both at the same time. That way, if you want to hear the whole thing straight, you can. Uh, but for those that like the hour-long podcast, that's how uh, I'm getting away with it. But uh, word to the warning, you know, in his usual fashion, Sven uses uh, a bit of foul language, so might want to just take that into consideration. But other than that, finally out of Michigan and uh, back in Florida right now and heading back to the boat in a couple of days. So hopefully more shows once, twice a week if I can. And uh, sorry about the delay, just uh, it was a lonely place up there in Michigan. It's kind of like being in uh, that movie, The Shining, <laughs> without all the blood and gore. But uh, other than that, again, if you want to support the podcast, head over to Patreon. I want to thank all of my people that have already signed up. You guys are absolutely making me so happy, and uh, it helps out huge. I'm going to be saving all that money trying to... Uh, put together a road trip maybe this fall to travel the entire country and interview as many people as I can. I got a big list, about 150 people now. So uh, watch out and hopefully we'll keep it going. So other than that, we'll hit up part one uh, with Sven and then uh, yeah, part two just drives right back in. So enjoy. Thanks for listening. Bro, are you ready? <laughs> yeah. All right, looking at the noise levels, looking good. We get the camera on for the first time. Yeah, good idea. Yeah, you know, I had thought about that a few times. Cheers first. Oh yeah, absolutely. It's gonna be out of northern Michigan and down here in Florida. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Mm. Mm. Ah, Having my my favorite repeat offender on the podcast too. That's all I I always want just to just to be that guy you know the, the repeated guests you know i think that's so much fun that you <laughs> are man no well and like i said i mean people people enjoy these i because you you've got a great voice obviously but uh it's always interesting always interesting you yeah. never know what we're going to talk about we don't have any sort of subject but i do i do kind of want to get into that boston whaler oh yeah out in the back that thing is really looking good man. yeah we can actually you know because you've got a web page for this right uh not really uh-huh. but i i that's the hope is to get there yeah right it, well because it would be nice to put some photos i got some video too that uh you know we we, we redid the entire interior it took adam and i you and know it's, our, it's a 15 foot boston whaler yeah right? yeah it's a it's a 1984 super sport classic 15 yes yeah, so the, the lines on those boats will never be drawn again because now they just look like clorox bottles you know? oh the but, new ones yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. I, mean, I understand they're probably safer they're probably more efficient you know? i don't like how they especially the smaller the 15 and the 13.5 and stuff the old school ones carve through the water. They do. And the new ones chimes. just go yeah. and turn Yeah, like they that. skip. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's just an old school chime, right, with the cathedral hall in, yeah, the, in the bow, yeah. you know. I mean, it makes for a little, 
if you get into a C that's a little confused, yeah, yeah, it, it's you get Max. slapped around a little bit. Yeah, yeah, it's not it's not exactly <laughs> super fun, uh, you know. But we also installed a bilge pump, so that's when, key. Yeah, when, when that errant us. wave does come over the bow. I'm not back there, reaching back, trying to get the bung uh, out yeah. and trying to drain it, which is which is super. I, dude, I've had a few where I get swamped in a whaler, and now all of a sudden, touching the the, the stainless steel steering wheel is shocking me. Oh, because the battery, because the battery, or or not so much just the battery, but maybe some wires that are aren't connected just right. I've had. Mm. I've had a lot of adventures on Boston, especially down in the BVI. Oh, you pretty much lived on one. Yeah, we would we would take trips. Uh, what Virgin Gorda to Anagata is like thirteen miles, and we yeah. would do that in the Boston Whaler on calm days. Yeah, but didn't one day? Oh, there were plenty of days where it it you were like picked up, and then it were was you like were bad. you. Were you ever, uh, did you ever think you might run out of gas because you had to go so slow for so long? Um, No, not really. That one, you know, that little passage is one where because you're doing it in such a small boat, you really make sure you've got anything and everything you're going to need. I mean, even water, because there's an old story about a guy who was headed up to Anagata and... um, Engine broke down, small boat, and the only thing he had in in there was coconuts. And he had a couple cinder blocks as an anchor. He threw that out and just sat there. And I think he was out there for a couple of days, and all he had was coconuts. And he was okay. Because, you know, the green coconuts just filled with water, essentially. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't want to end up like that guy. That's a true story. (laughs) That's a true story. Yeah, yeah. I was told that many times. Because most of the local guys thought I was just insane for driving that little boat and we do it at night we do it you know because it's a clear shot there's one little reef and all that stuff but if you know where you are and what you're doing the other one was to go all the way around virgin gorda at night well you guys did that a bunch though right oh yeah yeah yeah. how long does that take uh that takes a couple hours um even if you're going pretty much full speed yeah um and we've done it on nights where there's some swell and stuff like that but typically you're waiting for that couple of day calm patch where the ocean Which just glass. settles oh yeah, yeah. it's and it's beautiful because the backside of virgin gorda you never really see it's all craggy cliffs there's a couple of secret beaches but it's all off limits to charter boats and stuff like that so it's yeah. really this sort of special special event and you know the best nights were when you had like a full moon oh oh absolutely and you're just flying. but we you know when i think about it it was really risky because if something went wrong you're just going to get dragged out to sea or get punished on the cliffs. Uh, there's no real escape. It's like full commitment. Once you go around that corner, yeah, you're sort of in it. And there was one time where we the engine just touched some rock near this blowhole. Like the prop? Yeah, oh. not the actual prop, but the little fin oh, underneath it. On the bottom yeah, we, the swell went down, and all of a sudden all we heard was kunk, kunk. And I looked at my buddy Nick. And we just gunned it and got out of there. And we, well, because I, it's got a shear pin on the prop, right? So if you break the shear pin, then that means the the, the prop with the with the propeller is connected to is just free spinning. Oh yeah, yeah. It would so you'd it, be fucked. if that swell would have dropped down another foot or two. I'm sure it would have broke the engine right off of the boat, and we would have really been in trouble. Um, but you know, those are some of the risks that yeah. uh, you take for those well, little adventures. Well, Miss Miss Mary three. 
which is your boss. Yeah, which is my boss in Wyoming. She's uh, Ben Mercer and I. We we took her outside the gate on a moonlit night. Oh, in uh, San Francisco. Yeah, in San Francisco, and went out pretty far. Yeah, and it, it, you know, even on the calmest night, you just have those sea rollers. Yeah, right, because that's just open Pacific. And uh, we get out there and start pushing our luck. And it was like, all right, let's uh, I think it's time to turn around. Yeah. yeah. You don't want to have to call the Coast Guard. You don't want to have to get somebody, you know. Oh, I had no CETO subscription. Right. You right. know, I had a radio. At least I had that. Yeah. You that's know, good. That's you, good. You know, but uh, yeah, it was, but it was, it was an adventure, you know. Was, I mean, a, a full moon, San Francisco Bay, outside the Gorgeous gate, coming that, in yeah. underneath that, you know, Golden Gate Bridge. I mean, it's, you know, it's exhilarating, you know. Dude, totally. I, I, I get it. I mean, Adam and I, when, when Adam was down there at the bitter end, he and I would go out at night and go to different beaches or just go find. We, there was one night we just went out like five, six miles, and we could hear whales. Oh really? You just parked it, parked bowls. it out there in open, yeah, open yeah, water. Yeah, yeah. just because it, it, it's just kind of cool. You get away from all the noise and the hubbub. Because, and that was one of the things I I've been thinking about lately about why I really like going out to sea, like way out. I don't know. There's something so neat about the simplicity of life out there because you're exchanging all this input and all this stuff, trees, houses, cars, roads, people, for all that. nothing. For, well, for two things. You got waves and water, and then you've got the sky and clouds, and that's it. That is it. That, yeah. That's your whole input besides whatever's on the boat. And yeah. I don't know. There's something about that. It changes your, changes your frequency of your brain and how you think and how fast you think and how calm you are. I don't know. Yeah, like we used to, we used to go out way outside the gate with uh, our cousin Chris, Chris Rand, mm-hmm. and we'd go salmon fishing. Oh wow! And, okay. Uh, so we'd wake up at we'd get down to the boat around five o'clock in the morning, head out, and we'd go really far out because that's where the best salmon fishing is. Because they, they how run, far out? Like fifty miles? No, no, no. Um, like maybe twelve, fifteen, twenty. Out of sight of land. No, no, no. We, we you, you still could, see yeah, it? yeah. Well, I mean, it's the mountains of Marin, well, yeah, right? Okay. So they, they they poke up pretty high. Yeah, but uh, but there is that serenity. Chris would always fall asleep. Oh, really? He would always fall asleep. We we get we park our <laughs> we park ourselves right right where we're supposed to, and we hopefully catch some catch some fish. Yeah, and then about uh, about uh, eleven o'clock. As you hear, <laughs> snoring away. Oh man, if he yeah. listens to this, he's gonna be mad at you. No, he's not. I, you know, you but, call me an old man? No, 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 no. He just—he was so confident on that boat, right? You know, he—you know—he's a—he's a man of the sea as well. You know, well, so, that's true. Yeah. So he, he was just like rockabye baby. You know, I was like, how can you stay awake? <laughs> that's almost <laughs> the hard part. It's just trying to stay awake. I—I I do it on the boat too. Like when we go and do charters down the BVI. Yeah. It just rock my baby, man. It does. Yeah, I hear dad going, get that. up. Where, where's Sven? It's 930. You know, <laughs> just. He's sleeping. Yeah, just sleeping, you know, you know. Well, you know, interesting thing, though, too, is that when you're offshore sailing by yourself, and I guess yeah. even inshore, um, that's the only sport that you actually continue to do while you're asleep. While you're asleep. <laughs> Which is scary. Which is pretty scary. I mean, it's it's essentially the only twenty four hour sport that you never you never get one break because even though you're asleep, you're not really dead asleep. 
you're always sort of aware just a little bit. Yeah, but, but and I can't think of any other sport that's like that. Everything no, no, else, you no, end up taking no. a break. I mean, I suppose if you're if you're climbing Everest or something like that. Oh yeah, if you're like doing a mountaineering thing. Yeah, I mean, you know. You but if you're sleep, in your, t- you well, your yeah. tent, I, I okay, I would say the guys who who pitch those tents on with with line and tackle. Uh, on the side of on the a ver- side, yeah. of a vertical that's pretty pitch. raw. Yeah, okay, that's pretty raw. That's hardcore. Well, because uh, yeah. also too, yeah, the weather. If the weather gets really bad, all of a it sudden starts bouncing you yeah. around, and you're like a tether ball. <laughs> Forget that stuff. Man. How do you go to the bathroom? Uh, they bucket? usually have little bags or something like that. I, oh, I guess I've watched a few of those those uh, climbing documentaries, man. Like I said, Colin and I were going to do a podcast about the Alpinist. Which it's great, 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 unreal. Yeah. Uh, that guy and I relate really well. I wish I would have been able to meet him before he met his maker, but because he, you know, the the most impressive thing about that one I thought was when he just ghosted the documentary crew to go climb that one peak because he knew that he wanted to do it by himself, and if he yeah. had a crew there filming him for his yeah, first ascent, yeah, he, he didn't want that. He didn't want it. He, yeah, he knew it would be pure, and I I know that feeling, man. I you know I I the last couple trips trying to raise money and do all that sort of stuff for MS. It comes with having to communicate and update positions and do all that. And for me, I would much rather just go out there and and just be and cut, then just show be, back up. You know, nine months later, like, like when you say solo. You solo, be, you yeah. mean it. You There's mean it, hundred percent. There's no, it's not ninety-eight percent solo. It's a hundred percent solo. Yeah, no, I can see, I can see the appeal to that. Yeah, you it know. definitely. I don't, there's just something that when when rewarding. That, yeah, because every day that I'm out there, I know that in the morning, I'm gonna have to do two or three different updates, two or three people, which. It's not bad. I enjoy it, and it's always nice to sort of communicate, but it does affect that feeling of complete and utter freedom to just go about your day and do your thing and be totally immersed in the thing. You get pulled away from it. You're having your coffee, yeah. and then the thing goes off, and you got to respond and all that. So, yes, yeah, yeah. It, it's almost it almost feels more. Someone dipped a little bit of job into your yeah, adventure, you exactly. know, and you're like, "What? Wait, what? And we're gonna punch a clock now?" I know, I know. Right? You should put a time clock on your on your boat. But hey, we we raised <laughs> we raised like nine and a half thousand dollars this time. Oh, well, there you go, there you go. That's so a, that's not bad. No, Cheers, cool. MS yeah. Society. Boom, yeah. sweet. That's nice little plug there. Yeah. Well, anyway, sorry. Back back to that whaler. Um, yeah, the wood and everything. You have the old school. Yeah. Full setup. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's OEM stuff, mahogany. You're right. Uh, yeah. I got it from uh, a company called. Um, uh, uh, it'll come to me, but they just do whaler classic whaler yeah, stuff. Yeah, that's where I got my stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and uh, and so you know, had Adam and I, we tore it all out, got the 3M wax restore, went to town on a bare interior, right? So, yeah. So get, got that out of the way, and then. Then you know, of course, having Adam help was incredible because he knew he knows electronics. You know, I don't know anything about electrical, right? And, right, and so, right. so like every single connection in there is heat shrunk with like a little dab of silicone. Adam, on the, Adam uh, nails it. He it, doesn't. He doesn't mess around. It, no, it's perfect. It's yeah. absolutely perfect. You know, and the dials are set 
just perfectly. Everything is just perfect. The screws are all indexed. They're all sunken in with 4200. Yeah. There everything is brand new hardware. It is it is just it's the prettiest girl at the dance and you know it took us about 4 days. Now we weren't exactly killing ourselves, but towards the end though, he was like I got to catch a flight. And I'm like, "Yeah, but the wiring hasn't been bundled. The cable <laughs> management hasn't been done." He's like, "Got to go." Go, buddy. <laughs> and so I'm like sitting under under there with zip ties. And we stupidly put the uh, put the steering wheel on a little premature. Oh, and, and, then you got to get around that. Yeah, and yeah. so, but I think it was like Loctited on, you know, just to make it super secure. Because I remember the story about you almost hitting, or no, you did hit Gam stock when the steering wheel came off in your hands. Uh, I grazed it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it didn't really. Yeah, how fast were you going? Uh, full speed. There you go. Thirty okay. miles an hour. Dangerous as fuck. And Very stupid on yeah, my part. Yep. Yeah. Did you did you jump out of the? Boat? I jumped out of the boat. Yeah. Jeez. Well, because I thought, and I, it was just doing circles, right? Uh, yeah. And then I had to jump back into the boat from the dock. That's we don't really up. have to talk about this, though. <laughs> <laughs> that's all right. That's all right. Well, anyways, so that steering wheel is on. It ain't coming off, right? Yeah. And so. I'm doing the cable management, and I'm alone, right? Adam's gone. Ian's at work, and I get underneath there, and then I try to get out, oh, yeah. and the and the steering wheel is pressed into my sternum, and I I can't get out, and luckily I had my phone on me, oh, and I, but I was like, did you have to call somebody to no, come help you? No, but it took me like ten minutes to wiggle out of there. Oh, like geez. I was like because it it went past my sternum. And so it was pressing into my rib cage, so I couldn't get my bottom rib over the steering wheel. Right, right. And I was like, uh, what's, what's going to happen here? Well, you, I, you're a little bit claustrophobic, aren't you? Uh, I can be sometimes, and other times it doesn't you know, matter. Yeah, yeah like like when I when I was at BMW Oracle, I was you know one of the more slender guys, and I was also in sort of in charge of. Uh, I wasn't in charge of, but I was a big player in the in the helium bags that we we put into the boat, and and so we filled the almas up. You know those those arms that reach out to the the pontoons of you know the trimaran. Yeah. Okay, so those are hollow. Okay, those are pretty skinny. It's yeah. just carbon fiber. Oh, thing. you just snake your way through. I had to go in there, and there's no way to turn around. There's and and but you that's know, like caving right there. Uh, yeah, yeah, no, and like like you had to wear an oxygen monitor in case the helium started to escape, so you didn't pass out. And so someone and you can't use a radio because the uh, carbon fiber is so thick that a signal can't get through. Really? I didn't oh, know that. oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why the Volvo Ocean Race doesn't allow um, carbon fiber sails. Because the, uh, the 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 antennas on the back don't work, the sails blanket. The oh yeah. wow! Okay. Yeah. So, but anyways, that was like total caving. That was like that nutty putty cave fucking story. Right? Yeah, 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 you know right. where the guy gets trapped and never got out. You know. Oh my god! I, I yeah. Yeah, that'll make Some you. Some of those stories. Yeah, that'll make you claustrophobic. Toes curl is so scary. Yeah, um, but I was doing it for work. That didn't freak me out, but. Getting trapped because I didn't have, I was alone. Yeah, yeah. And I was just like, am I going to be able to get my rib? And it, dude, it hurt. But I was able to, I was like, I, I just kept thinking to myself, I got in here. I should be able to get, get back out. out. Yeah, right. But it's like, it's almost like a barb. Yeah. Right? Your rib is acting <laughs> yeah. like a barb. You're, yeah, you got so you're, you're on the hook. And I'm like, but like, you know, I, I could have re- reached for my phone. 
I could have called the Ina. I don't know what Ina would have done. The steering wheel was oh, so. She would have called nine one one. Yeah, she would have. You would have yeah, had yeah, a, yeah. Yeah. Fire, fire truck, truck ambulance, yeah. couple cops. Oh, they would have probably destroyed the boat in order to get me out. It's just like get just, just light. Light. Yeah, cut, cut this steering wheel off. I'm like, no, I just uh, finished. Yeah, it's always the last mile. That's the hardest part, you yeah. know. But I mean. She's gorgeous now. That boat is the prettiest girl at the dance. Well, so. that, yeah, the old the old classic setup that you have in there has sort of that nice um, compartment in the back. Yep, yeah. You can throw stuff in. I used to use that all the time, and just I don't know, man. That that setup on the fifteen footer, I thought was always great. The only issue I ever found is in steep chop. Yep. The fifteen foot Boston Whaler can drop its bow down and scoop in water. The 13.5... It keeps bow up. Yeah. That bow is just... It's almost impossible to yeah. do that. Especially you, if you have a four-stroke on it, where it's it was never designed to have a four-stroke. No, it... it so you always bow. Way, yeah. You always bow up unless you're at full right, speed. Right, right. Know? Well, you know, the the 13.5 that we have up in Michigan, yep. I loaded that forward hatch with bricks. And oh, it and keep it bowed down so much better. Oh, I bet it does. Doesn't yeah. hop at all or anything like because that Mercury is is just yeah, it's too heavy. Like you said, yeah. I mean the the seventy horse two stroke, which is original engine, and thank God the guy who owned that boat before I did was like an engineer. Yeah, you know who had just a fishing complex. Oh, that's you know? vast. When yeah, you, you get somebody who's real anal retentive about Dude, boats. If, if you pop off boat. that cowling, I believe it's called a cowling, right? Yeah, the, the, the hood. The, yeah, the hood. Uh, you can eat from oh, inside sure. that thing, it's it, it, and, and it's and it's and it's over. It's like thirty years old, mm. and it and it's immaculate. Yeah, you know, and it's a great engine. And, it, and that that boat was that boat and that engine were sort of de, uh, designed in companion. You know, so it's oh, so right, right. so when you when you have the gas tanks in the right spot, that boat that water line. It, it looks like a drawing. Yeah, yeah, it's just perfect. It's just perfect. Yeah, it's absolutely perfect. Yeah, but you're, you're right, though. If you're if you're not paying attention, yeah, you'll, you'll take some water over the bow. Yeah, yeah. well, because there's just not a lot of freeboard in those boats. But I, but that's it, what makes them so sexy. It's like a Fiat on the water. It's like a, like a little MG, you but know? But they're also unsinkable, too. They so are unsinkable. Yeah, and with that part. 70 on that boat, I keep up with the big boys oh, in I'll the bet. canal. Yeah. You know, I'm doing 30, 30, 32, 34 knots. You know, you know, how I, you know, down here in Florida, I, I can remember being in a dinghy for about three minutes before I got pulled over for going too fast on, and this was down in Fort Lauderdale somewhere. Is that, how do you know? Cause there's a lot of speed limits out here. Um, okay. So, so they're, they're all posted. They're least, all posted. Like with it says, it says like it the says, highway. Yeah. Just like the highway. Oh, okay. And so when it says resume normal operation. Yeah. Yeah. You can, it, how Go fast, fast how, you how fast your boat go, right. you know, okay. but, but as soon as you see a sign where it's like a wake zone where you, usually it's underneath a causeway yeah. or there's an intersection, right? Literally like, almost like a highway, yeah. you know, uh, the, but it's, it's posted, but if, if it's only one sign and if you're looking you at your, it, yeah. if you're looking at your nav, 
right and 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 just breeze right past it and you're like oh i'm still going 32 knots and yeah they'll hop on you real quick oh yeah, yeah. no i got like i said i got pulled over and they didn't give me a ticket um they were just like what so, are you doing I was yeah like, I, keep sorry, it under 100 yeah. bro <laughs> i was like we just serviced the engine on this guy's dinghy and i was just trying to make sure yeah. it's all stretch good. its legs you know? yeah, right. yeah yeah now they, they, they get they're pretty they're pretty brutal out there you know well they have to be though you yeah. know i I, I used to be very uh, anti uh, aqua police or whatever you want to call them. Aqua pigs. Um, yeah. I wouldn't yeah. go that oh, far. Oh, man, I said a, it. They I save say, a lot of lives. They save a lot know? of idiots. Yeah, yeah, and they prevent a lot of idiots from, 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 from hurting, hurting smart people. people. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But I don't know. Yeah, I, I think – I because they – there were enough times where I was just pulled over for no reason just to check the registration or, you know, safety equipment that I was always kind of like I used to be when I was younger. I was like, God, that's so stupid. But at the same time, I don't know, you know, it is a dangerous place out there and you should have your stuff on lockdown. Um, you know, I have yet to be, pulled over by the coast guard on mighty sparrow yep. in all the years when i tell other they live just, boards they're like you've never had a coast guard inspection i'm like no they just well you know there's also something about sailboats you know like we always set it on walloon right yeah you, you know because we, we'd be way. well we'd be we'd be drinking beers all day and we'd be sailing around totally illegal right it's, yeah that's literally drinking and driving right and, and, yeah. and they would be pulling over um, motorboats all all day long. You'd see them in the distance. Yeah. They're just going and checking and checking and checking, you know, and, you, and they never touch the sailboat because they don't know what to do. You know, they pull up alongside of you. Like you I think you used to say it. You start. You just start luffing the sails, yeah. and then you'd be like, "Oh, this thing only goes in one direction." Just put the spinnaker <laughs> up real yeah, fast. Yeah, though. yeah, exactly. And they're just like, "Ah, oh, that looks like a hassle. Never mind." I mean, <laughs> I mean, it's, you know, cops are normal people too. They're just like, "Ah, oh, that looks like a lot of work." Well, and it, wanna... it does take it does take a certain amount of skill to sail a boat. It's not, yeah. you know, a motor a motorboat is is oh yeah, just, just point and go. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But a sailboat, yeah, you know, and I think they I think they they know that. Yeah, you know they're just like, well, if 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 they know how to do all that running rigging and, well, and the sails and the trimming and the driving and you always got to be paying attention and you know they're probably like, yeah, they're probably t- totally fine. Right, right. Well, and just just having a few beers while you're out there on the oh the pool guys here, nice. Maybe we well, get him on the pod. Go. Yeah, no. we can get him <laughs> on the podcast. Um, but just having a few beers while you're out sailing is one thing. I you know. I think if you got drunk on a sailboat, uh, it would be very apparent that something is wrong because you know, <laughs> sails are, are all backwinded. That that whole term, three sheets to the wind, wind yeah. basically means that you you've got everything backwards. And you're, yeah. you're just stuck. So uh, that is, yeah, I forget about that. Phrase. That's great. Three <laughs> yeah, sheets right. to the wind. Yeah. Uh, now that I got that, now I have the visual in my head that makes total sense. It's like being hove too, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh, that's awesome. Mm. That's awesome. Uh, yeah. Mm. So, um, I don't know. She's a beauty. That that boat is is definitely gorgeous. And there's just something nice about hopping in a boat that that looks like that, and everything's the everything's varnished and just beautiful, and yeah. just you know it's all just bulletproof. Oh, you could, and the other thing too is, you know, we had to pull off the stanchions and and we had to do all the other stuff, 
And so, like, you can almost lift that boat up by the stanchions because Adam got in there with the, oh, what's sure. it called, 610? Uh, West Marine 610? Yeah, 610. Something like a, that. We, count, we countersunk every hole, filled every single thing. Did, All of that? I, I mean, it's, it's, there's not... There's no way water can get in inside that hull. There's well, let's no not one. say let's not go Titanic on it. Right, right, right. The ocean can <laughs> prove every sailor <laughs> wrong. Well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I guess yeah. Maybe I should knock on wood or find some wood to knock on. Take a beating. That yeah, will. Yeah, oh, exactly. Man. Well, um, yeah. She she is cool, and I I definitely I love those. I always wondered what it'd be like to upgrade. Um, I never had the money to, but to get up to like the 18 foot or more of the old well, school there, ones. Well, there is the unicorn, right? Which is the Super Sport 17. Oh, right, right, right. That's um, the old th- school one. Yeah, yeah, I think I've only seen one in the wild. You know, because the, what, what ends up happening on a boat like that, it probably belongs to some family, right? And it, it, it'll never be sold. Right, right. Yeah, because if, you've, if you made the investment to get a 17 foot, whaler then you're probably it was probably on a lift you're probably taking good care of it nothing will ever happen to it and and get no one's ever going to sell it yeah. i've never i've only seen one on the market and it was pretty pricey it's yeah. it's sort of like a classic car like all of a sudden like these cars that you could have bought 10 years ago for dimes are now like worth dollars Right, you right. know, and so so if you do find one, it's probably gonna you're gonna have to pay a premium. Well, there's there's the Super Sport 17, and then yeah. there's a knockoff called a Montauk, right? Well, the Montauk was, I believe, that's center console. Yeah, the Super Sport 17 is just like a, a just 15 like and a 13 with that right hand drive. Oh, yeah, okay. and everything's really low pro, super sexy boat. Yeah, it's just yeah. got much more bow on it, and it's just it's good luck finding one, man. Yeah, right. I mean, it's it's probably that's the sexiest girl at the dance. You know? Well, didn't they? I, I I seem to remember seeing a picture of the Irish boat team uh, for Irish Boat Shop in Harbor Springs. Yeah, I seem to remember seeing a picture of them in what looked to be like a thirty foot old school Boston Whaler hull. They were all in it. Do you recall that at all? I think I do. I mean, was it like it was for Irish? Yeah, yeah. So it was like a a marketing thingy. Yeah, but I believe something. it was like a real photo. I wonder if they ever made. This is where I need to have a computer that I can search stuff. Yeah, I need like. A well, team. I know they 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 made they made that whole line. You know, I think they made them up huge, huge. sizes yeah. for a while, yeah. and then just you know, obviously. Well, what did down. what did what did grandmother have? What was mean the uh, Gene Machine or mean? What was oh, Gamrand. Yeah, um, that's it's a, it's a 18, 20, 18? No, I think it's, it's a, a either seven. an eighteen or a fifteen. No, 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 I mean no, it's definitely over fifteen. Okay, but it so was it, a center it console. Like a seventeen or I believe 18. it was a yeah. Montauk. It's maybe, a, yeah, it's or, center console. It was definitely center console. And they still have it, I believe. Do they? I think so. Do they? I'm not too sure. I don't know. They're cool boats. I, I. I have forgotten more epic times on spent on Boston Whalers than I will ever remember. And I'm so glad because it's just the sense of adventure, no matter how big or small the, the body of water you're on. Yeah. You're just on this boat that you know can't sink. 
and you and you probably have more horsepower than you really need uh typically (laughs) i was always yeah i was always a little overpowered there was one time where i had a 50 horsepower oh was that it was that down the bvi yeah did you was that two stroke or a four stroke that was a two stroke two stroke but that was a new one no it was an older engine but it it made that boat fly i mean that was that was on the thirteen footer. Well, well, what what happened with mine is because the guy was a big the the previous owner, you know, single owner boat. The, that guy was a big time fisher guy, yeah. And I think he was fishing in rivers and stuff, and so he had like he he had he had huge anchors, you know, because I think he was fighting a massive current, yeah. You know, wherever his favorite fishing hole was, and he also had live bait well. Right. He, he had a um, oh he had a, like fully out. Oh, there were three batteries. On it, there was also a uh, trolling motor yeah. on it. You know, one of those the, the electric ones. There was nav everywhere. I, I mean, I ripped out hundreds and hundreds of pounds of, sh- of stuff from this boat, and uh, and but he be, in order to compensate for all the gear that he had on the boat, he got some like I don't know if it was custom or just it was an OEM, but that prop, the pitch on that prop. When that boat was emptied, when I pulled everything out and I just had gas tanks. Oh, was it like cavitating and everything? Oh, oh no, there was like there was like six inches of hull in the water. Oh, right. I mean, it was just way too much. Yeah. And yeah. I and I was also lending the boat out. I'd lend it to like Ben, you know, anyone who wanted to borrow the boat. I'd well, and when you do that, you have to really make sure that boat's in good shape. Uh, absolutely. Well, I, it was well. also anyone I lent it to was like competent. Yeah, competent. competent yeah. yeah. But uh, but I was I was. When I did did a um a engine check on it, you know, I had, had it taken in, uh-huh. you know, so you know, for a mechanic to look at it, just you know, just do an annual service. Yeah, I went online and I found a lower pitch prop, and I was like, "Can you change this out? This thing's this thing's it's da- a little too much. It's, da- it's dangerous. <laughs> it's, it's just so dangerous." Like Ina, Ina and I, I believe we had it doing. 38 on a glassy day in Richardson Bay. And on a small boat, 38 feels like, like 100. Six, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah, it was it was it's too much. And, and we were doing the skipping. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And I was just like, no, if I turned right now, this thing would just roll. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, like, I'm like, this is dangerous. That's the scary part. When you put too much engine on a small boat like that, yeah, you can – I know that happened up on Walloon at one point. There was a really nice 13-footer and – they had put a fifty horse two what? stroke on it oh, for Jesus. some, or maybe it was a forty, but it was, it was back in the early two thousands when they hadn't really streamlined the four strokes down in weight. Yeah, and this thing was completely unsafe at almost any speed. It bounced, and I think eventually at some point we we basically just didn't use it because um, I was like, this is, yeah, this is this is ridiculous. Somebody's gonna kill themselves, and. Uh, so I think somebody eventually flipped it over there, and they finally got rid of the engine because it, it was just a mistake, and it happens. But man, no, you get you got to team scary. up. The you know it's like, it's like it's like all sail no keel. You know yeah, you, you yeah, gotta right. you know let's keep let's keep her under the <laughs> sails. You know you know, but yeah, you just gotta you know a, a dangerous. There's nothing more dangerous than a dangerous boat, and then you can compound it by putting it in the wrong hands. Oh yeah, you know, oh, yeah. You know, it's, I, I will never forget being told this story up on Walloon, up in Michigan. These guys had brought a pretty powerful like cobalt 
you know, 26 foot boat, something like 25. I don't know. That's a little big for that. Like. Heavy power. Yeah. It yeah. was, it was bigger than the norm. Yeah. And these guys went out, they took a few of my staff with them. I think they were just going to go rip around or maybe they were going to try and do some, some skiing or something. I don't know. But the guys were just clowning around. These are older, professional, probably pretty wealthy people. Lawyer, doctor, dentist, accountant. They're they're gunning the throttle, and then they're doing sharp turns, and they ended up doing a sharp turn, which which the boat essentially spun out kind of, boom, 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 and and almost tipped. Um, But it ended up throwing the passengers around, and one of my guys got not hurt, but bruised up. Oh and, yeah, and I remember having to talk to those guys and being like, "Hey, you know, this is this is dangerous stuff because these are guys that probably use that boat once or twice a, a year." Yeah, yeah, on their on their yearly vacation at their yeah, summer home. Yeah, man, yeah, it was it was a life lesson. I mean, obviously, you must have seen everybody's seen that one video. Oh, the guys getting bounced around, bounced around, and that guy look like almost looks like a mannequin when he. Oh yeah, his, like, and the girls just get tossed, and and it's yeah. just they lose it going over, you know, some wake or something. But they're doing it looks like they're doing sixty miles an hour, if not more. You know, it's dangerous. You got you always whoever's driving any of those definitely always has to be on point, focused because it's not you know for everybody else for the passenger. It's oh, yeah, it's great, yeah. and and I think that's one of the things you know in most sailing situations and and all that, especially offshore or bigger boats, there is a defined captain, you know, maybe a mate and a crew. But you get down to that twenty-something foot power boat, they which just is give him, they give the keys to anybody. Sort of, yeah, well, yeah. and and the people I've I've seen it plenty of times where the person who's driving is not acting like a captain; he's just acting like a moron. Yeah, yeah. And not really considering the fact that he's responsible for the lives of all the people around him. So yeah. I wonder what they do. You know, you see those videos of the Miami. You know those Miami just total cigarette boat oh, type thing, yeah, like yeah. like the, these Doing these the things are they, well, well, they just you see them on their own, right? Mm. And these are boats capable of doing like 170 miles an hour. You gotta think that there's somebody so competent behind that wheel. There uh, has yeah, to be. Yeah, you think so? There has to be. They they can't just hand that shit out to anybody. I mean, I mean, I probably they do. But well, yeah, if somebody buys it. Yeah, you know? but you got to imagine that 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 owner is probably a very competent offshore powerboat guy. You, you to have gotta, something like that. Yeah. yeah, or else you wouldn't you wouldn't You'll get that far into it. Yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and also, where's that investment? Well, that's the yeah. Those things aren't cheap. No, no, those no. There's there's a reason why drug dealers own them because they're the only people <laughs> that can afford them. <laughs> well, the old school ones were all the the Chris Crafts, right? But way back in the day, they could outrun the Coast Guard. And well, the, it was it was the actual cigarette. That was the name of the company. Yeah, but even yeah, before yeah. that, I mean, oh, even before that. even up on like Lake Michigan. All the the booze bootleggers and stuff. Oh yeah, oh, they those were using stu- Chris yeah, the, yeah, like in the thirties. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I think they had specially designed compartments to just fill oh, up yeah, with yeah, yeah. gear. On there, a- there's a great book. It's it's more uh, based up on New England and Maine. Um, Oh, oh, like I'm sure they were, they were running rum, rum runners. Well, rum and, yeah. and running what they called screech, which was, I think, some sort of rum. It's some sort of alcohol. Screech? That, yeah, it was up in like Canada because you could make a ton of money bringing booze up. Well, yeah, because it was still legal in Canada. 
Yeah, I think so. Oh, yeah, no, I, I don't no, know no. Exactly how it Canada, all worked. Canada never had prohibition. They didn't. Did no, they? no, okay. they didn't. So that's yeah, that's that that classic scene in the Untouchables where they're coming over to the Canadian border with right, Canadian right. whiskey. And well, like, but you could have done it on you know the Gulf of Maine right there. You've got you've got uh, Nova Scotia. And then you've got Maine, and you've got this big open chunk of water. It's legal here, and it's illegal over there. (laughs) Let's make some money. And you got fog and all, you know, inclement weather. I mean, it'd be hard to track somebody down in that. Yeah, no, it would be. I mean, maybe one of these podcasts, I'll get into uh, my my story about uh, doing a little bit of uh, moving gear around, you know. But uh, we'll we'll save it for another. Moving gear around. (laughs) We'll uh, we'll save that for another one. Yeah, Good. We'll, we'll, we'll get this sucker going a little more. Yeah, exactly. Uh, well, um, yeah. So obviously, I read you that uh, that that comment and on the on the audio book. That oh, can, can you bring it? Can you bring it back up? Yeah, I think. so. I want to hear this. I want. I want the audience needs to it's hear. It's rough, this. man. I and and you know you know better than anybody. Don't ever read the comments. Never read the comments. I never do. I, I know. Never yeah, do, yeah, except you did. You that did. Was <laughs> I, I was just I was sort of sitting up there and I think I think the, the total number of sales had jumped up twenty or thirty or something in, in a couple of days and I was like, Oh man, this is great. I was like, Hey, you know what? Uh, Let me go check. Yeah, someone just wanted to rain on your parade. <sighs> yeah. Uh, there's always a hater. You know, you got good. you just got Will Smithed. <laughs> i can't I, i'll tell you what i can't believe how many people are talking about that i mean if unfortunately you unfortunately any social media unfortunately we are not talking about it because you know. brought it up i know i, I did I, I know i make it through well, let's, <laughs> no. let's 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 be adventurers here just yeah, not right. and not mention it again Stupid. oh my lord it's dumb dumb uh, but anyway i do so. like rich people smacking rich people alone it's sort of funny <laughs> You know, I, I mean, yeah, right. I, I'm, I'm much bigger Chris Rock fan you than I am. You take that. You my Okay, so, yeah, so in any event, I just figured, oh, you know, I'll go take a look. You know, it's not a big deal. Just wanted to see how it was going. And yeah, first one, a one star, which luckily there's not many of them. So one star. They're like, I, right now. If I could have gone <laughs> negative stars, I would. Yeah, right. Like, how can I do zero stars? Um, and again, yeah, this is, I, I knew Frowny it was a face. The, the first, like, within just reading the first sentence, I was like, I shouldn't be doing this. But I, I couldn't stop myself. Yeah. Uh, but in any event, yeah, it's so far the book, you know, it's it's got like four point six out of five stars. So the vast majority of people enjoy it. Wait, which is at your average four point six? Yeah, on, on that's good. Audible, yeah, that's, and that's, that's out of like seventy five. Well, that's the other the other thing that's really cool about that is that's you. That's Arthur Red. And and that's that, true. Yeah. And uh, you didn't hire out some voice talent. No, right? I couldn't afford no, that. No, you can't afford it. But but you did a killer job. So if you're getting four point six stars on Arthur Red Book, first time you ever did it, that's fucking cool, man. That is super Thanks, fucking cool. Bro. That and is super honestly, cool. Honestly, coming from you, that, that means a lot because yeah, you yeah. are an audiobook aficionado. I am. I, I Which, how big how big is your library right now? Oh God, it's gotta be like two eighty by now. You know. Two hundred and eighty. Like yeah. What did you tell me one time? You were like, Jerome, you've got six months worth of continual listening if you have this. I I I I think right now, I if you were to just play my entire library. 
talk to me in four months. Yeah, right. Yeah, it's four months of and that's twenty four hours or twenty twenty four hours a day. And some of those books, like the the Pinker, you know, like um, those. Are, yeah, because better nature of our angels. That's like twenty four hours. No, it's forty. It's forty. Yeah, it's a thousand pages. Yeah, I've read that book five times. Wow. Because it's I, so good. You can start anywhere. It's incredible. Yeah, and you can start anywhere in the book. Uh, that was, dude. That was what I found. I remember having people on the boat, and we'd be sailing. Just pick know? a chapter, start playing, and you could just start playing it. And and within two or three minutes, the person's like, "What is this book? book? This yeah. is crazy. This is nuts." Yeah, 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 it's just absolutely nuts. And the other one that um, I can do that with is uh, uh, there's. Uh, Peter Peter Singer has a collection of essays. That's that, that that philosopher. Remember last time we were on, on the on the pod, I was talking about that, that that philosophy about like if if you could cut your pinky finger off to save a million kids. Oh, remember? Yeah, yeah, remember yeah, yeah. we were talking about that. That's that guy, Peter Singer, and he has a collection of essays that are just short. They're twenty minutes max, you know, and they they're just just mind boggling philosophy. That just, I mean, the hairs stand up on my yeah. back. The guy's just snake, so snake, sh- fucking switched on, man. And, uh, and then there's that David Quammen book, the Spillover book. I've read, I've read that. That one's pretty scary. I, I've read that one. Uh, how close? Uh, six, how close the times. world came to an. And that's a heavy read too. Deal. That's thirty six hours. You know, that's a seven hundred, eight hundred page book. That is long. I, I listened long. to that out at sea. Yeah. And that was pretty scary, but it was actually not too bad because you're out at sea, away from all of oh, that. Yeah, and like, and, and um, but you were were you were you at sea when the pandemic hit, or, uh, or did you like fuck this? I'm out of here. This is nuts. I'm, yeah, I'm going to, I, uh, I was in that sort of mode where so it it came on really heavy in March of 2020, and by July of 2020, I was out at sea for the next like 90 days or something. But I that was where I was trying to go through the Northwest Passage. Yeah, yeah, you were trying to... They yeah, Canada, it, yeah, Canada fucked you. I had a lot of people tell me just, you, got you fucked, should have just eh? kept going. Hey, you got fucked. Yeah, hoser. <laughs> it did not go well. But it was, you know, that was a pretty great adventure, though, to to be circling the Atlantic during the height of the Doing, busiest hurricane season. Just going, what am, where am I going? Oh, dude, I, I will still, you know, the, the book that Didn't I'm Didn't I writing, text you? is like, you should go to Brazil. Because I, like, just come back from Brazil. Well, but no, at that point, uh, there was one part where I thought I might have to pull into the Cape Verde Islands uh-huh. because there was some pretty ugly systems. I think I think what eventually turned into Hurricane Teddy was coming off the coast and uh, uh-huh. and we couldn't even get a hold of anybody in the country or the marinas or anything and it was like, dude, I don't think I mean maritime law I believe allows a vessel to go and pull in to in case, port, in case, in case you're having a real difficult yeah, you time. go, you yeah. can go and anchor yourself yeah. in a port. In Nobody a wants country. to see a loft loss of life, right? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's, it's dangerous out there. But I, it was one of those things where I was like, man, I don't, you know, I just felt, and that that compiled to not not so much loneliness, but to the fact that I was stuck on the ocean and I couldn't get any, I couldn't go anywhere else, and I just wanted to get back to the United States where I came from. Uh, but it was the hurricane season, so I had to just go. just sitting there loitering. Oh, my God. Well, just, yeah, I remember there was one point where I was thinking, man, you know, maybe I'll just try and experiment and lower all sales here off of Africa and see if I make it to the Caribbean without any sales. Oh, a drift? Yeah, just drift at, you know, one knot or whatever with the current, well, the because the current you, takes you right back. Yeah, right? and you've got 
AIS. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's like if you like peace out and you're just like, ah, oh, fuck this. I'm just going to read books I'm and just gonna, Yeah. Just but, I mean, they'll, they'll try to avoid you or at least get you on the radio, right? Well, yeah. But that, how does that, that, how does that had, work? Like, I had if plenty you, of fuel on that. Yeah. I could have motored and i did motor well how, do, how does that work like let's say you decided you're just going to go drift you're just going to run the generator every once in a while you weren't going to run the motor and you're just going to see where well, the I got current solar take. baby down there yeah yeah there you go you're just going to keep those beers cold <laughs> yeah. you know but, but let's say you were going to do that <laughs> yeah right so how much i know you always got to pay attention right it's uh, yeah you got to be a quality semen yeah yeah but uh I mean, if you're not paying attention, if you're down below taking a shit, right, and someone, yeah, taking a nap, and somebody creeps up on you, I mean, usually it's you know, it's pretty much. A cur- do you get a courtesy call? Do you get something? Well, you're talking about like saying oil tankers, something. Or I don't know. A, a big boat, fishing boat, like a massive fishing boat. I, I've only cruise had, ship. I don't know. I've only had one one boat actually like approach me to come and and see what was going on and and eventually they were there trying to sell me some fish how Um, big a boat was that that was like a 60 70 foot fishing boat it was out of brazil like recife i think Mm -hmm. um i thought it was pirates coming to get me no shit i was like 500 miles offshore uh, but there's off the tip of brazil just to the northeast, there is uh, an island called Sao Paulo Island or something like that. Tiny. Yeah. I think it's just like a fishing village on it. But um, I was in between those two areas. And yeah, lo and behold, I, I'd seen other fishing boats out there at that point. But this one was on the horizon. And then, boom, 90 degree turn, and it was headed right for me. And it just looked like a rust bucket. And I'm like, I'm a sitting duck out there. I mean, if those guys, if they thought if they had nefarious, if they had some bad intentions, to, for them to just go and and, and kill me, yeah. take whatever they want out of well, the boat, and then just sink it. That's isn't that how Sir Sir what's his face Peter Blake? Yeah, Peter Blake. <laughs> Peter Blake, from what I can remember, he was somewhere near the Amazon Delta yeah, doing an expedition, of doing some an expedition sort. on like a 90 foot boat or something. But yeah, yeah they so got that's a little bit of a, you stick out, you stick out a lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. And from what I can recall, they were boarded by pirates and then he went down below and got a shotgun and came and was, back up and then they just shot him. Um, yeah. I could be wrong on that. I, no, I, I think you're right. I, I think read you're, that story in a long time, yeah. but what a loss. I mean, he was, he was a sailing icon. He was sir. huge. He's New got Zealand, sir in front. Right? Of, yeah, Kiwi. Yeah. yeah, he's got sir in front of his name. You know that means he was knighted. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, he yeah. was a real deal. He he went around the world with uh, Robin Knox Johnson, I believe, yeah. on some of those big races. And I I remember one story about him where he had to go to the top of the mast in pretty heavy weather. Yeah. And Knox Johnson said it was the only time he'd ever seen Peter Blake. Sort of green under the gills. Oh, really? Well, he's probably up there oh, swinging 20, 20 feet, feet trying to yeah, do something. I don't know. Direction. Yeah, talk about a badass. But but in any event, yeah, I just, I don't know. I And they just kept coming at me. I couldn't get them on the radio. And there's no AIS signal from them. So yeah, because like, they got a rust bucket. Yeah. yeah. Well, fishing boats have a tendency to turn theirs off oh. and go into like phantom mode where... You don't know where my spot is. Yeah, yeah. because they are. You know, they got to be protective of it. And that... I don't know, but out in the middle of the ocean, usually everybody's kicking their AIS. It's all good because yeah. you never know. But 
I don't know. So, so they come pulling up and they got right up there. I was panicking. I didn't know what I was going to do. I thought about loading the shotgun, all that stuff. Cause I, you know, I'm just, I, and there was oh, barely that's gotta any be wind. scary as fuck. So we're me and Sparrow are, are doing about two knots. So we're just sitting ducks. Um, but oh, they catch you real quick. Oh, they caught me within 20 minutes. And I thought about like going down and changing my clothes and popping out of the, the four peak and all that sort of stuff, trying to make it look like there's more than just me on board. Um, Joshua oh, Slocum did that back really? in the day. Yeah. And so I don't know. It was just, it was scary for about 15 minutes. And then they, they came right up alongside and they had fish and they wanted me to buy them. And I just waved them off because there was some swell and putting those two boats Both, too close together. Yeah. yeah you end up bouncing, bouncing. You know, don't want to mighty sparrow a off Matissier. of a rust bucket. Yeah, yeah. right. That that had Bernard Matissier when he was doing his round the world trip. Uh, he went into he used to go and to communicate, he would put letters and notes in a film canister mm-hmm. and then fire them up to ships with a slingshot. Right? So he would have to get pretty close. And he mm-hmm. did that near Cape Town and ended up getting pushed into the ship. And it boat it bent his bowsprit and almost cost him the whole race in that one shot. He was able to fix it and then keep going. But yeah, uh, yeah it was close call. And those are the things I think of when I'm out there making these decisions. I'm like, no, gotta learn from the old yeah, guys. Dude. Exactly, they made the mistake first. Yeah, I, I don't want. Yeah, yeah, I, I yeah. just learn. pushed him out of there. Yeah, learn from their mistakes. Yeah. But I definitely the I think the scariest time though was just a few days later. Totally becalmed in the morning, no sails up, and a ship comes on the AIS 12 miles out or whatever, and it's headed right for me. The, the CPA, closest point. Ramming speed. Is 0.0. It's doing 18 knots. It was like 880 feet or something. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It just takes like uh, four miles to maneuver the boat. Yeah, right. He's not, he's not able to turn right. And, and I don't have any fuel. This was on the first trip. No fuel at all. I'd uh, run out, and so uh, I have no engine, no sails up, and I I don't. You can't see collision the boat. course. Yeah, right. <laughs> there was this. There, I got a great story. So one of my buddies up in Newport, they were. Uh, he he was on his friend's like not a mega yacht, but a big yacht, right? Power yeah. boat, and uh, and so they're coming out of New York. I think they're going from like New York to Annapolis or something like that, and so they're going through that 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 shipping lane right and uh it's a big boat yeah right and so they found somebody on the radio this is year this is like 20 years ago i don't even know if there was ais you know yeah, there was I some sort was of like something early yeah, mid something. 2000 is when it really came out and became popular all right so it might have been pre i don't know yeah. but anyways so they but they see him on a radar this is a big enough boat that's got like a radar or whatever you know whatever detection system you know oh, i'm sure it had radar yeah yeah, yeah. and so they, they're they're on a Full on collision course, and so they get on this on their on their on their radio, and they're like, "Hey, you know, we're uh, you know, hey, you know, we're on a collision course. We'd like you to change course." They don't know how big the boat is, yeah, right. And then back on the radio comes, he's like, "All right, I guess we're the ones changing course." <laughs> he's like, "I don't know what the hell they just said." You can't this, understand them. Yeah, this, this is supposed to be a massive tanker. I think we're the ones that are moving here. <laughs> Those guys are definitely not moving. <laughs> They just got full Chinese on the other end of that radio. Right, right. They're like, all right, all right, let's change course. <laughs> there was there was the 
a story kind of like that in uh, the book Imperfect Passage, where these guys sail from California out to the South Pacific and everything. But they come across uh, a big fishing vessel, like a like one of the factory ships mm-hmm. um, that stay out forever. And I've seen one up. of those. They're yeah. massive. They're beyond massive. They're like a they're cruise like, ship. They're like a t- yeah. It's like a town, it's a floating ship. town. Yeah. But they they're cruising, and the guy calls them up on the radio because they got a collision course, and and the first mate comes on and is like, no, you know, you guys change your course. And he's on a sailboat. So he gets on, he's like, let me speak to your captain. And the captain comes on and is like, you know, what do you want? And the sailboat guy, he's, he's like, this is such and such sailboat. We've been out 12 days from California. (laughs) And this guy's like, I love, I love the from California, (laughs) bro. Yeah. He might as well have been like, dude, we just got done surfing. And the fishing vessel comes on and it's just like, well, this is captain da 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 aboard the factory boat. Da da da. We've been out at sea for six months and we got another three months to go. So we're not moving. Yeah. And he's like, Oh, I've never felt so more embarrassed in my life. I, I try and avoid everybody. Yeah, it's just, yeah, it's just it's seamanship, you know. It's just standard seamanship. Yeah, you no, know? for sure. I, I give did, everyone a wide berth, you know. That's always, it. yeah, that's, yeah. That's there was the, there was one time that was pretty spooky. Uh, it's always spooky when you're going past George's Bank, uh, especially up in the fog and, yeah. and the weather and stuff. But there was one point where it was super foggy up there. It's daytime, and all I could hear was the fog horn off of a big tanker. And they ended up calling me on the radio just to let me know their intentions and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, and just checking on me, yeah. I guess. But I never saw it. But I heard this just booming horn every minute, just and it's it's pretty scary. You can you can think about yourself just getting in some real trouble and just getting run down because and nobody would know. Yeah, we we um I I did a little delivery. From Connecticut to Newport, we were taking some like thirty-two foot, twenty-seven uh, foot boat, right? Some little racer cruiser. Yeah, and uh, everyone was there, and we're in Long Island Sound, right? Everyone traveled all the way over to go and get this boat. We're not turning back now. Yeah, you know, this is a we're doing it on a Saturday. Monday we got to be at work. Let's try to get it there tonight. Blah blah. blah. You know, no one's staying or else the boat's not getting delivered. Yeah. Right. And so we went for it and it turned into just such pea soup. I mean, you couldn't see more than 10, 15 feet over the bow. Yeah. It was, we had scary. It was really scary. And this is pre, pre like smartphones. I, I, we must've had some chart or something, but I, the guy, the, the the guy who owned the boat, or or at least was driving the boat, yeah, he 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 was from there. So he, even though he couldn't see shit, he sort of sort of knew where he was just off like the depth sounder. Well, that's yeah. That contour lines are a really good way to wiggle your way around because you can just have an old paper chart. Yeah, and you're looking at that contour line, and and ideally you're you can do another system where you're you're sort of hopping from one buoy to the next. I think he was doing that because I mean I presume the contour lines uh, in Long Island Sound don't like change a lot here in Florida. One big storm. <laughs> oh, it's yeah, all it, changing. It, it's yeah, all changed, yeah. you know. But I, I, I presume. But up Island, there, yeah, most it's a little more places, rocky. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah you so get ledges and these and these underwater cliffs. Yeah, they aren't changing. They're staying, and that's the cool thing because if you 
if you get onto say like a 10 meter contour line, mm. then you're just, all you really have to do is watch that depth gauge because if it starts getting deeper, you just turn back so turn in back. this way yeah. and follow and you, it. You sort of feather your way along it. And mm. yeah, I mean, that's, that's the sort of navigation we could that hear. we learned. We could, we could hear in the background just oh yeah, yeah and i yeah. was just like and i'm like how far away is that and it's like, like no idea no idea i mean it was pea soup dude mm-hmm. it, it was i mean you, we might as we were blind we were so blind and if we got hit by anything it would i mean i, I i'm sure that all the other sailors out there that day everyone's doing minimum speed right well you know, that's yeah that's the smart you know, thing for dr- sure drive as fast as you can see my buddy Murphy, though, up in Maine, he and, and uh, I don't know, a crew like four people were up either scalloping. I think they were scalloping. This was back scalloping. in, in the 90s. Yeah. Uh, but they got run over by a you know 900-foot ship, thick fog, and he was doing 20 knots. And just got to make that delivery. Almost killed all of them. They didn't sink the boat, but they almost did. Or and they just just bumper car right off of them or something. Or? Uh, no, they got slammed. I mean, it 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 definitely wrecked the boat, but it didn't totally destroy it. I mean, those lobster boats. Yeah, they're pretty they're hardy super boats. Super hefty. They can take a hit. Um, yeah, what's well, a working boat? Yeah, yeah. And eventually, you know, some of the other lobster boats around or scallopers were aware of what happened and, and got the name of the ship and, and towed them back in. And Murphy was hurt. He got hit in the head with, I think, a speaker that came dislodged. Other guys got thrown <laughs> around. Like, it was really bad. It's like and that, I think, that, it's like I think that video buddy, we were talking about earlier. Oh, yeah, dude. It was bad. And, and the worst part was, you know, the compensation that they received was uh, just an estimate of what they lost by having to go back in and not finish scalping. So it was sort of like, well, you probably would have made another like 40 grand while you're out there. And, and obviously you couldn't do that. So they paid them that much. That's it. I believe so. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, that maritime That's old school maritime time stuff, law. Though, yeah. You know? Maritime law is, is so strange because it's so rooted in such old stuff. Oh yeah. Like the Jones it, act and all that yeah. stuff that, that, that's back to when we were just developing as a country yeah. and trying to protect our own interests a little bit. Yeah, like that whole thing about being flagged in the U.S. So n- none of those big yachts are ever flagged in the U.S. because they get they get totally fucked over, you know, especially with the taxes yeah, and stuff like that. Taxes, so yeah. what you're actually doing is just just handing money over to like Bermudas and. Um, uh, what are some of the other uh, the Bahamas, you know, Liberia, Georgetown? All the yeah, shipping goes out, like, you know. Yeah, it's like every every ship is flagged in Liberia or Panama, yeah, or Panama. Marshall Islands. Yeah, exactly. Well, there's a great read, um, and it's a it's a pretty good audiobook too. Um, it's called Into the Raging Sea, and it's all about the the cargo ship, the Joaquin. Or no, it's the the hurricane is Joaquin. The cargo ship was the El Faro, I believe, but they they basically would leave Jacksonville, Florida, and go down to Puerto Rico, and that's what would be considered, I guess, uh, a Jones Act sort of run, because to deliver goods into an American port, uh, I well, I shouldn't even speak on it because I it. I'm still a little confused about how it works, but like I'm sure it's legal. It's, it's supposed to be confusing. Yeah, it's it's basically a throwback to to make it that you know U.S. I think it's that you have to be a U.S. flagged vessel to 
to deliver and move goods from an American port to an American port. So yeah, like yeah. Puerto Rico is just completely at at the mercy of American shipping when they could get, you know, much cheaper goods directly from like China or, yeah. or other places, but it has to come through the US to get down there. In any event, but oh, that poor that's little, a, that that's poor little book. that poor little country. I mean, I could, I you know, and they're not even a country. They're just, just so, they, yeah, uh, they, they've uh, definitely uh, been taken advantage of uh, in a million ways over over the past hundred years. I mean, you know, first yeah. all the industry goes down there, and then they can find cheaper labor elsewhere, and then they just basically get out of Puerto Rico. Yeah. All the pharmaceutical stuff was down there, uh, yeah. and, and they just yeah. extract, 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 and then they cut and ran. But yeah, and then yeah, yeah it's yeah. like, well, I'll see what happened, but. Because they yeah. built, they essentially built a middle class down there, but then just as it emerged, all the all the jobs left. Yeah. And it was yeah. Like, oh, okay. Yeah, that was like back in the 60s, 70s, 70s, something like that. Well, I mean, I, I I'm not how, an expert on it. Neither are you. But no, but I, I know that I, you know, I read the Rum Diaries, you know, which was Hunter S. Thompson when he went down there. Yeah, and he yeah, was yeah. a journalist, and you sort of got the vibe that things were always a little shaky. Yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah, well, it's yeah. a lot, and it's a lot of people on a a little piece of land you know I mean, it is it is big I, I, I you know i i actually got um one of my buddies from lalamere he uh lived down there he was working with the coast guard and so i you know i was like hey dude i'm, Who, I'm aaron yeah, yeah yeah aaron joseph and so i told him i said hey i have the i i'm sort of stuck in puerto rico for the night you know it's either hotel it or let's go let's go have some beers and so I ended up staying with him and his wife, and they they gave me a little bit of the tour. Yeah, yeah. You know? oh, it's a, it's a beautiful place. And yeah. I mean, well, we also went to some pretty rough parts. You know, he was just yeah. sort of showing me. He's like, "This is sort of what you have to deal with." You know, down here, it's not all just beaches and sun. Well, it's it's hard I mean, when you when you lose your economy like that. It, people get desperate, and and that's when things get bad. You know? yeah. it really is. It's. It's a fact of life when when things like that happen. Yeah, no, it's, it's going to be really interesting, uh, you know. With they're trying to put the tamp down on our runaway inflation right now, and it it sort of gets interesting because you you don't feel it in the beginning, right? When like your economy starts sort of shit in the bed, yeah. But it's like, what happens afterwards? I mean, I mean. That the crash was immediate, right? You could things were changing as the clock ticked. Yeah, every right? ten minutes you're like, oh my gosh, you know. But those long, drawn out ones, those are the real killers. Yeah, because yeah. people trying to adapt, they're not really changing. Trying to too stay much. afloat. Yeah, yeah. You know, and then finding out two years later, I don't have anything saved up. I couldn't do it. I tried. I tried my hardest, and then and then just be coming to this massive depression of oh my god, how am I supposed to live? How am I supposed to keep my family afloat? How am I supposed to keep my house? You know, stuff like that. And that's that's the stuff that really changes the culture, right? Those, those immediate shocks are like, all right, everyone band together, we can get through this. Well, and America is typically pretty good at handling problems like that, but <laughs> not not when it's like the slow burn. Yeah, the the slow burn is really what changes a culture, right? And when then people start accusing other people of doing it. That's people, where you get the division and all. People that. become very distrustful, you know. And then there's a lot of finger pointing, and 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 I think I think the the general public is, is they're they're pretty susceptible to being to 
being driven in a direction regarding the information that they're told. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, um, I think, yes, you do have your fringes. They're either super cynical or super intelligent or super wealthy. They're just like, ah, fuck it. I know you people are lying to me. I don't, I'm too rich to even care, so go fuck yourselves, you know. But I think the majority of the population is can be, you know, can be sort of driven in a direction that I don't think is very healthy. And I would hate to, I would, you know, you look at a country like Puerto Rico, but I would also hate to see the United States become the next fucking Brazil. I mean, Jesus Christ, can you imagine that? You know, you know, and, you know, you, you shoot gas prices, gas prices right now, all, all the way in California, probably peaking at seven, seven bucks. Okay. Now, North Carolina, no, they're not. But what happens if all of a sudden seven's all everywhere? Yeah, right. You're you're gonna have some serious issues on your hands. And well, then, it, yeah, it it basically takes away. It, it makes it so because for most people, gas is a prior is is a, a it's, necessity. It's, it's how, how you, I get to work. It's how, how you I, get, get yeah. your groceries. How you, it's how you get everything. And so that that's gonna have to you know be the cornerstone. That's yeah. the money goes there first, and then whatever's yeah. left over goes gas, to other places. Gas, natural gas is how you get to charge your Tesla. So even those high horse people they they're, they're still they still succumb to it. Yeah, right, yeah. you know. It's like oh, everyone, like uh, what's his name? That, oh. that uh, comedian who's oh. like I don't mind paying 15 bucks a gallon cuz I drive a Tesla. Yeah. Yeah, and, and oh, oh, <laughs> by the way, it fucking helps that you're a gazillion fucking air, you know. Any time any million dollars. Any time someone says anything like that and has that much money, the only words I want out of their fucking mouth is investment advice. <laughs> How yeah, do, right. You know, it's like, it's a, do I give a shit what Nancy Pelosi says? No, unless she's t- telling me what stocks to buy. You know. Yeah, she does have the inside track. <laughs> yeah, she's she's got, yeah, yeah. It's like, I what, love- what would you do if you, if you were able to uh, sort of propose a, a regulation for you know elected officials as far as what they can and cannot invest in and and own and this is, this is what, what I would do. your what would your right. little okay. uh, regulation all right. be all right. nancy pelosi did have a point that just because you work in public office doesn't mean you should be removed from the free market okay but in order to make sure that there's transparency and they have like some 45 30 day window where they don't have to disclose the investments that, yeah. that they made right you and I, if we trade a stock, that's common knowledge. I don't understand why they can be protected. I think that if you want to allow your 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 governing officials to participate in stock market trading, whatever, mm-hmm. I think literally the moment someone hits that enter key on that trade, then it's got to be immediate. Oh, Public. right. Public. No, yes. Yeah. So there's no... I sat and waited. Oh, too late now. Right, I made right. all that money. Uh, oh, that's I, interesting. I never you know, even knew that. Let them. <clears throat> they're, 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 they're American citizens. They should be able to participate in what makes this country so well, great. But don't you think there is a conflict of interest there? Oh, absolutely. 100%. You're regulating some 100%. of the things that you're also investing in. But I also think that the immediate acknowledgement of what they did and when allows them to be dragged into the public square when it is most important and that is right, right. that is exactly when it happens we, 
Americans especially have so much amnesia. They just, it just the short term memory of Americans is just, just shocking, right? So if you give them thirty days, they're just like, oh, oh it's too late now. Yeah, they and they shrug, they shrug, they just toe in the sand. Oh, another celebrity slapped another celebrity. Yeah, yeah, celebrity. <laughs> yeah, guess what? That happened like last weekend. I guarantee you, next week it's not even talked about anymore. But but Probably. but but I think because they had that one Twitter or the uh, Reddit thing. It was like Nancy Pelosi trades or something like that, where yeah. they, where they were everyone on that Reddit thread was trading as they got the information, which was like forty five days, thirty. I, I, yeah, I don't know yeah. the exact amount. It, there's a, there's some gap in there. Usually, it's too late for the regular. Yeah, guy, you know. The, the profits have already been made. Yeah, big exactly. Push, big yeah, uh, I can't return those now. Uh, what are you going to do? Tax me? Uh, <laughs> guess what? I rewrote the tax bill to save my own ass. You know, it's just you know. I I think they should be allowed to do it, but I think it should be immediate. You know, like dude, we I can go right now to my UBS um, website. You know, log in my account. Mm-hmm. I can go and pick a company. I can. Go into the you can deep dive, dude. That 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 UBS website that is an endless hole, right? There's you can you can you can drill down as far as you want. I can go and find out what CEOs have, how much stock. Oh, it actually has like their names and stuff. It has their names. It has how many shares they own. Has when they bought it. When there's when they sell it. Right, right. Right. So if you can do that for them, you should should be able to do, do it for day. yeah. I don't. They, they don't deserve any protection, but I. Do you think if you're going to stand behind a capitalist society, you should definitely be able to participate? You know, or you say no, you can't do it at all while you're in office, and then you go, okay, so now the only people in this room are people who are legitimately wanting to govern, and they have no ulterior motive, right? You know, and you're either going to get you're either going to get incompetent people because they're not because you know you got to have a little carrot on a stick to get the smart ones in there yeah you know or you're going to get some complete socialist you know whack jobs you know who are just you know you don't know you know you do need that carrot on a stick or or the other side of that coin is you're actually going to get people who honestly want to govern in a really way who don't have the ulterior motives. I don't think you're ever going to get that. You know, uh, history tells that we definitely don't. And the longer longer an, an empire or a country is 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 big and growing and, and all that, eventually the stick falls, always. Yeah. Or yeah. The, the no, shoe falls, I yeah. should say. Or, or they eat the carrot. Yeah. And then they run away. But that's you know they find a way to get the fucking carrot, (laughs) and then in the moment that carrot's gone, they vanish. Yeah, yeah. No, it's true. Well, I they find that in uh, I know in talking with some of the uh, charities and stuff that I've I've sort of talked with and and worked with in the past. One of their problems is it's hard for them to balance paying good people to work on their teams. Because that money comes out of donations of, of what, what what it's supposed to be yeah. used for and, yeah. and what not somebody's salary but that's the curing thing. It's, a it's disease like this yeah. this paradox of like well if we get in this guy or this girl for half a million dollars a year she's the best at what she does and the charity's going to exponentially grow yeah but on paper 
it it's like oh well if if your charity is paying these people so much money and so a lot of a lot of the big fundraising things don't get the best people because the best people can get paid three times as much. Oh, they go work outside. somewhere else. Yeah yeah, 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 they go work and, somewhere else. Yeah, but it is. It's one of those things, and I don't know. It's it's just a realization. And same with like education and teachers. You know. Oh, te- you want to get the best what. teachers in I'll, there? You got to pay them. I'll tell you what. In this country, especially, I, I I know in other countries, Denmark's, you know, some of the Nordics, you know, a lot of places in Europe and stuff like that. Scandinavians. Yeah, they do a really good job. Really there. good job. Um, uh, this country, I've never seen a country in need of so much investment for education and just shit on teachers. I mean, just shit on yeah. teachers. Now, and the teacher unions... I, I, I've heard stories where the teacher unions weren't even helping the teachers. You know, they they were just looking at bottom lines. You know, got to keep this school open. And I, I can't imagine how hard of a job uh, teaching would be. And and oh. the, the pay rate is so abysmal. Well, and and talk about soul crushing. You're you're essentially that money to pay those teachers. The more you throw into it, the better the future citizens of the country the, the, the are entire, educated. Yeah, talk about rising tides. So if right? you cut that, yeah. you've got a snowball effect where essentially your your citizenry is is getting dumbed down because they're not being educated properly. And, yeah. and, and the only the only people who are getting smarter are the people who are in private schools. Yeah, you know? and so it's sort of keeping the collective wealth wealthy. Gap or not the gap, but the the wealth. Oh, it's a gap. Keeping well, them, there's a gap, all right. Make them smarter. I don't know. It gets crazy, man. It does. I mean, it's 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 total rabbit hole. You know, you can you can. It's almost like beating a dead horse. You know, but at the same time, you 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 hope somebody can come along. You know, and 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 come up with a brighter brighter bulb. Well, that's trap. the thing. Yeah, you, you hope that know. you get. I'll uh, vote for that person when they come along. Just haven't seen them. They're, they're hiding in the bushes. Yeah, it's probably that's because true. they they know they they know they they're probably the best person for the job, but sure as fuck don't want it. Well, and that's the thing. Yeah, I mean, and what's that old thing about saying? You know, the the person who least wants it is uh, the Peter the, principle. Yeah, yeah. You you were you were promoted up to your level of incompetency, <laughs> <laughs> and that's where you stay for the rest of your you life. <laughs> well, but I've seen that. I, I've definitely seen that in some of the jobs that I've had where, you know, you're managing teams, whether it's food and beverage or marina or any of that stuff, when you have you have sort of people in charge that aren't really doing a great job, and then somebody They're- new comes in. And all of a sudden, they're good at it, and you see the entire team turn around. So it is oh. possible. Oh, know? no, it's totally possible. You Plus can do it. seen the reverse of that. Oh, uh, where somebody shit moves in, and then the whole team goes to shit. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah, and yeah. They, well, and usually, usually what I always saw happen was a manager would come in that was really bad, and then you would lose your best people because they didn't want to have to deal with some idiot in charge of them and – they just and then then it just catastrophically avalanches down. Yeah, because now you've lost all your good people. You still got a crummy manager, and you, the only people who are hanging on are sort of just there because yeah, they're just collecting. That's the all you got. Yeah, yeah, and that's 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 it, just the worst. I I I one time moved into a shitty team, and I knew it was shit from the get go. Right? Yeah, and and this coworker of mine and his wife. I'm not I'm not going to put names or. 
places in this. No. Um, we we tried our best. Like I was a breath of fresh air for this this gentleman who was there for a very very long time. Yeah. And we were able to put a we were able to turn it around a little bit. Um, but the other individuals who were also involved were just absolutely negligent and didn't really give a fuck. And well, that and, happens over time, though, when you're dealing with, with yeah. incompetent management. Well, it wasn't even management because we didn't really have solid management. We just had me and this other guy sort of leading a direction of the face of this oh, particular okay. company. And, yeah. and, and it was working. It was working. And these other individuals are so selfish they could give two shits. And, and the moment he retired, because he was getting older, you know, the moment he retired... I had to look at myself and say, I can't deal with this team on my own. And I'm like, I tried pretty hard to keep it going and keep it afloat. And then one day I just had enough and put in my two weeks. That was 2017. Mm. The place still hasn't recovered. Yeah. This is half a decade later. And it's just just limping along. No, not even, not even. It's shit. I mean, it's barely there. Yeah, it's just it's just nothing. There's just nothing there. You need to have know? good people. That's yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's just and it, it's just like you remove two people from an entire place, and it just got wiped out overnight. Yeah. Overnight, never recovered. You know, just two fucking people. Well, that's the the leadership role, though. That's why it's so crucial. It's so. It's it's something where that that choice of person, their job essentially is to work for that whole team. I used to always tell my guys, uh, you know, not to take advantage of it, but I work for them, even yeah. though I'm their boss. I'm trying to make sure that their needs are met so that they're as productive so and as happy operating as at a hundred percent. That's what you want, day in and day, day out, out. Yep. Uh, without any question. And, it's hard. It's definitely hard, and it takes a lot of commitment. But that's why, you know, usually the person in the leadership role is making a bit more money, um, which is acceptable. But again, yeah, it's it's one of those things. Well, yeah, they, they, they were, they're also the ones making the executive decision. At the end of the day, you do need somebody. You don't need two people sitting around a table going, uh, "Should we do this? Yeah, should yeah. we not?" You gotta have somebody who's willing to risk it all and throw the dice and be like, "This is what I think we should do, yeah, and we're gonna do it tomorrow morning." This is enacted, but it's yeah, that's, that's but, tricky and that's too the stress. because yeah. yeah, that brings about stress, which yeah. also is something yeah that you should be compensated mm. for because it does feel good. I know when I work up in Maine, it's just it's like you know start in the morning, you finish at five, four o'clock, something like that, and I don't have to think about the boatyard after that. Yeah. But somebody else does. does. Yeah. yeah, yeah, no, yeah. for sure. Yeah, and it I mean, takes it home, takes it work home with them. I'm getting a beer. You want one? Uh, I'll take a water, All right, sir. Well, let's let's uh, let's actually pause this for a sec.